This is the War Room Roundtable podcast, the show that takes you around the world to share interviews with some of the most successful and relevant businessmen and women on the planet, hear their stories, and get the most important business lessons they've learned on the road to success, and get exclusive advice on how to implement their successes into your life and business. The War Room Roundtable is brought to you by your hosts, Jason Miller, CEO of Strategic Advisor Board, and Philip Llanos, CEO of Own the Rhythm, and former podcast host for Entrepreneur and Inc. Magazine. Welcome to the War Room, Evan. It's good to have you on. How are you doing? Uh, well, yeah, we're happy to have you on, man. And uh, it's not every day we get a chance to talk to somebody who has been a visiting lecturer at BU Business School in Geneva, Switzerland, uh, managed more than 500 employees across eight companies. Uh, you don't get that way without knowing how to properly sell <laughs> it's not a it's not a thing that, that that you can achieve without having some insight on the world of sales and and business development so for me where do you think your competitive edge or at least insight and understanding come from in, in terms of sales and being able to understand customers um, I think, you know, the most important skill, actually the two, I believe the two, two of the most important skills when it comes to sales and communication, uh, because everyone, uh, you know, I believe that everyone is in sales, by the way, right? And I'm not talking about a transactional sale, you know, I'm talking about influencing, convincing, um, getting what you want, um, you know, leadership needs to have, you know, a leader needs to have good sales skills. So the two most important skills that I have developed early in my career in sales, because I was lucky enough to, to have a sales and marketing job. My first job after university was sales and marketing, and it gave me a lot of understanding. And then I got promoted and I managed salespeople. Anyway, the two skills that no salesperson can survive without, and what I'm talking about salesperson I mean, somebody who works in recruitment, somebody who does B2B sales, B2C sales, um, even lawyers, you know, lawyers are salespeople, right? Is there two skills? Listening. Listening well with the ears, but listening with the heart as well. And number two, asking insightful questions, which will help them to uncover customers' needs. Yeah. Okay. And when do you recall first happening upon these insights? Where in your story, in your journey, did you have the moment where you realized, if I don't have these things, if the people I work with don't have these things, they don't have anything? Yeah, in my first job at the, at the, at the age of 25, when I graduated, before I opened a branch out to open my own business, I, you know, I worked for a sales and marketing company and we did the direct sales, B2B events, B2C. And early on, you know, I realized that, you know, I was the kind of salesperson that as soon as I, I will get hold of a customer, I will kind of throw up at them, you know, telling them the benefits, the features of the company, you know, not letting them talk, you know, come over to us. We can do this, we can do that. And then, you know, I realized that this is not the way to sell. So 
Because, you know, clients will start giving you, I'm not interested, I need to think about it, I need to talk to my wife, it's out of our budget. But when initially customers give all these object, objections, you know, excuses, whatever you want to call them, um, they're just, you know, no customer will tell you, listen, I don't really understand, or listen, can you tell me more, or listen, it's not a good time. They will just instantly give you an excuse to get rid of you. So... I realize that I cannot find out my customers' needs if I don't listen, I don't ask those questions, and really listen to what the customer has to say and how you know the customer kind of discloses bit by bit their dissatisfactions, their issues, their problems. And then the, the, you know the the job of a professional salesperson, I think the job of a good communicator is to listen well and encourage the customer to talk more and disclose more information. Why? Because the more information you get as a salesperson, the more powerful you become. Because why? Because you gain the advantage of being able, hopefully, you know, to turn this customer into a sale. But you can do this only by listening and by asking questions. Interesting. Okay. And so... You have these insights. We have the origin point. Early on, you discovered this was necessary. How have you benefited from this beyond the bottom line? Because I think in business, it's usually more than one bottom line, right? Uh, You are an executive coach. So I imagine you're helping other executives learn how to leverage these insights. Is that sort of where you have decided to push your insights or is it because you have other companies that you you value that more no it's on both especially you know when you come to executive coaching and you know when it comes to the time where you have to you know coach and train and work with managers and you know powerful people influential people you know the last thing you want you want to come across as a salesperson that the only thing that you care is about making a sale right so especially when you when you work with this kind of people where your target audience is this kind of people i realize you know it's you know you need to come across as a consultant not as a salesperson and the way to do that is by having a conversation a question conversation with the customer with your potential customer and in a way that it doesn't sound like a interrogation in a way that it sounds like just a casual professional conversation but in your mind you have your questions and you have your objectives and you want by the end of this discussion to come up with a solution or to come up with a proposal or to come up with the next with the next steps. Now, because if, yeah, go on. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. You were saying? Yeah, no, no, I just want to say, because, you know, you, if, you know, if you come across as a consultant, if you come across as somebody that really asks questions to find out customer needs, you are, showing to the other person that you are listening what the, what they have to say and and then you then can guide that conversation and you can stir that conversation based on what that person is telling you to the way to the to the to the place that you want that conversation to go um and also you will come across as, a, as i said as a consultant you will come across as somebody who is building rapport with that customer and that ultimate, obviously, as you know, Philip, it, it helps to send the message to the other person that you care about what they have to say and what they really need. Right. Now, what is your 
all-time favorite sales conversation that you've had in your career? Well, that's a difficult question because I had a lot. You know, every conversation, I like every sales conversation because I think I like the psychology behind the sales conversation. Sometimes I'm more interested not only just to close the sale, but to, to really fix that issue, you know, to really understand what where the customer is coming from, to really understand what is the issue, what is the message that the customer, where does this opinion come from? A bit like a psychologist, I really want to uncover the hidden um, the hidden issue that the, that the customer has. You know, if they tell you, I don't trust this service, I don't trust this product, I want to, I want to know why. So I didn't really, I cannot really recall, recall a favorite um, sales conversation because every customer is different. And I actually enjoy that because I, as I said, I'm interested in the psychology. I'm interested in the deep reason of why the customer is saying what they are saying. Is there a time where you were coaching an executive uh, and it was rather challenging to get them to accept and understand these ideas? It happens, you know, it happens often. And the, I say, you know, I guess the, the role of a coach is not to make the other people accept. You know, you cannot force somebody your idea. All you can do is influence. Yes, it's challenging. And, you know, the higher somebody goes in the career ladder, their issues is they are more behavioral issues because you see executives you don't really need to tell them what to do technically because then most of them they know their job but most of the issues when it comes to executive coaching it has to do with behaviors it has to do with limiting beliefs it has to do with um with you know a different different ideas that we have like um, a couple of months ago, I remember I was coaching an executive and he said, you know, I cannot trust people to, to, I cannot trust anybody in my company to do interview, to interview people. And yeah, I believe actually you cannot remove limiting beliefs from people. Like if you have an, if you have experienced something in the past that now has formed in your brain, you have formed an opinion about an opinion on that subject based on that experience. I or anyone, we cannot eliminate that belief in you. But what I can do as an executive coach, I can help you reframe that belief. For example, yes, you are right. You cannot trust anybody to do interviews for you because you are the best doing interviews. But what if you hire somebody and for three months they work with you, they shadow you, so you kind of replace yourself and they can become as good as you so they can learn from you, then they can do the interviews so you can have more free time. So now we are shifting that limiting belief of, I cannot trust anyone to do interviews as good as I do. Yes, you're right, but what if you hire somebody, you train them, they shadow you, you are replacing yourself, so you have more free time to focus on more strategic things. I love this because uh, Jason himself has a couple of companies and one of the things he does is staffing in one of those, but there's an interesting story behind how we got, how we got that company to begin with. And uh, I feel like if anybody can relate to sort of the executive level of what you're talking about, but also hiring and how some executives may believe, no, 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 no. You know, I'm sure there's a lot going on there that Jason can jump in on. Yeah. So going back real quick to the sales conversation, right? 
is, I mean, I've done millions and millions of dollars of sales for my own companies. And the one thing I learned about sales is you want to get the emotional drive out first, right? There's always an emotion attached to a problem, no matter what. People talk to you, people buy things because in their mind, they have a problem with that thing, right? I mean, we go to the grocery store and buy milk. Why? Because if we don't have milk, that's a problem. We can't eat cereal, right? So there's an emotional drive to everything that we do. And it always makes me laugh when I hear people say, well, I don't want to be sold. Of course you do. (laughs) Everybody wants to be sold. It's just a part of it, but it's the emotion. It's the emotional drive of things. And then you connect it to logic. And a lot of people try to do it backwards and it never works. You can't try to come to somebody's logical sense of things, right? It's the emotion underpinned with logic. Go ahead. You're going to say something, Evan? Now, as you talk, the story came back to my actually last week. We, we were on a training course, but and I explained a story that you said about logic and emotion. But mm-hmm. you know, as you said, people don't like to be sold, but they love to buy, right? <laughs> right. So that's exactly it. You back got to it. the training, one of the sales rep, we were doing proper training, like real life, they were giving examples of, you know where are they are in the process with a client and he says oh i want to um i want to really compare because of the product i want to really take this competitor compare products and show the details and i know the competitor of the other company that he is trying to kind of avoid but i said don't and i said to the, to the salesperson you know my suggestion to you is not to dig yourself into your hole you know because the minute you go in and you start micro comparing products, you lost the sale. Because mm. like, like, in that industry, it's a financial product. In that industry, the difference between different kinds of investments and all that is really limited, is really minimal. So I said, please look, don't go that way. Try to steer the conversation somewhere else to use one of your advantages because I've seen it. You know, sometimes you get people that are trying to compare the product and and then they end up convincing themselves that our product is not good enough. And then they they leave the, the sales conversation depressed. Back to you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and, and the second part of that really is, you know, that example you used of hiring and all that, right? So, you know, I feel with the, the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of CEOs that I've worked with is limiting belief is always there, right? And it's more about how you can help people get out of their own way, right? <clears throat> and you have to deal with all the personality types. A-type personalities is extremely difficult to help them get out of their own way. But then on the same note, somebody that's very soft-spoken, somebody that's very calm, so on and so forth, uh, that type of personality, they're just as challenging, just in a different way, right? So, so it's in the end game, it's always about helping executives or leaders or whatever it is, helping them get out of their own way. It's always about getting out of your own way. 
I mean, I'm in my own way every day and I need somebody to tell me to get the hell out of their lane. It happens every day. Right. But that's because we're passionate about what we're doing and all these things. Right. And every once in a while, we need a baseball bat to the side of the head to remind us, get out of your way, get out of the way, boss. I got it. Right. So, um, and that comes Which is the t- difficult part, right? Is the difficult it part. Is. But it comes with candid conversations, right? Yeah. Your staff also has to be able to have candid conversations with you and feel like they can be a part of the solution. You know, uh, you know, when you work with, as you said, you know, with leaders, business owners, they have egos, right? So, mm-hmm. so when somebody comes to you and tell you, "Listen, I need help," you know, my staff are resigning, or I want to increase sales, or how do I engage people? It, this automatically sends the message to them, to the to others that I am they are not doing something right. So this is where the challenging part is, and this is where self-awareness and and having a mindset, I suppose, of always wanting to learn. You know, people ask, you know, how do you sell coaching? You know, and tra- you can't sell coaching, you can't sell training. You know, it's like it's one like one of those things. If you tooth away. Tooth, you have a toothache in the morning, who are you going to call? You're going to call your doctor, right? You're going to call your dentist. But if tomorrow morning you wake up and you realize for another quarter, your sales are down, your people are resigning, people don't say, I need a coach. People say, I, I had enough. You know, I, I can't feel, I, I, I don't feel like going to the office today. Hmm. That's true. Because if, you know, because it makes you, if you declare that you're, you know, you want to improve something, you want to learn something, it makes you look vulnerable. It makes you look like you're not doing your job right. So, really interesting. So, then by that, it would imply that the highest performers, the ones who were really crushing it out there, who do embrace training and coaching, have removed ego from the equation and actually understand that they can always be better. That's the, you hit the nail on the head, right? Like um, you hit the nail on the head. And this is why, I don't know if we discussed this last time, you know, I believe that good managers, good leaders, good business owners, they know how to balance three things, result, relationships, and ego, their own ego. Because if you're too results driven, like sale, go, 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 you, I believe that you, yeah, you will, you will achieve results, but you will struggle to retain staff. And on the opposite side, if you're too focused on relationships, with your staff, you know, being friendly, yeah, you will you will make a lot of friends, but you will struggle to push them for more because you can't really push a friend, can you? Right, managing balance. Now you cut out a little there at the end. So uh, there was the third thing, which is ego, and then it cut out to where you said managing balance. So maybe you can rephrase that. No, I said it's just about being able, you know, to 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 balance those three things: results relationships and ego yeah no it's it it makes a lot of sense and it's an interesting thing because i as you say all that i can immediately think of some of the people i've worked with over the years and the ones who had ego definitely it definitely got in the way in particular with someone like me who uh, i love working with people who don't have that because it allows me to have a lane and to contribute to what's happening. But like, as we've so aptly put here that when someone does have an ego and as Jason was bringing up, they, they can get in the lane that they shouldn't be in 
even if they have someone who can already take care of that for them, simply because of this lack of trust, which again, falls under that triangle, which is relationships, right? Where you should have some relationship with your people where you can trust them and you can put down your guard and not have to have your ego up. Uh, and all of that will get you that result that you're looking for. Is this accurate? I mean, as you say, it's it's about ego. And if you, we all have ego, right? We all have ego. So it's a matter of being able to, to balance it, to be self-aware and to be able to balance it. It's interesting as we're having this conversation, I do believe that in sales there is there is something to be had with ego and being able to close the deal, uh, being able to create the offering. As Jason likes to say, you know, it's about giving value for as long as it takes. And right there, when you hear a statement like that, there's no ego in that. There's no ego in that statement. It's literally you give value for as long as it takes. And that creates the deals that everyone's looking for. Right. Is this is this fair to say based on everything we've been covering so far in this conversation? I guess so. And um, exactly, as you said, it shows that there is no ego. And um, exactly. You give value. You, you, you share your knowledge. You give value. And there is so much you can do. Right. So. And, you know, and the clients that, uh, you know, they like the product, they like your service and the ones that, you know, they see the value, they will come. And um, I, I, I've heard that before. I think it was from Gary V. Is like, he doesn't really need to give everything for free. But if you go actually to his website, um, you can download so many free stuff from sales, marketing, digital marketing, and so on and so forth. So... I think I think when it comes to sales, again, yes, is about value and is about finding out exactly what the client wants. And if you, I believe you, if you follow a set, um, set, actually, the closing will come by itself, or the closing for the sale, it will come from the customer because they can see that value. Um, you now understand what they want. Um, you explain how hopefully your product or service is of a good match, then the closing will come from the customer. The customer will tell you, okay, you know, the magic words, you know, what do I have to do or uh, where do I sign or uh, what's next? Yeah, those are the magic words. <laughs> <laughs> what do I have to do, right? Um, Fire questions. <laughs> uh, so, so, so with that said, Evan, uh, if you could go back in time and speak to any one of your favorite executives in the world and share with them one insight about what we just covered here today, even if you're recapping something, but just in a different way, what is it that you want people to walk away from this conversation with? What do you want that executive at that point in their career to really walk away with? Or maybe, maybe even your younger self, knowing what you know now. Yeah, and you know, you, you can apply this. I don't know if you're watching this. Maybe you are a recruiter. Maybe you are a business owner. Uh, I'm not talking, I'm, and here, when it comes to sales, we are not just referring to a transactional sale. We are referring into a, a kind of a form of communication. So the final takeaway is this, that the main problem with many salespeople is that we talk too much. Let's say I include myself, right? So as soon as we get hold of a customer or you know, the customer could be the, the employee. The customer could be a potential VC or an angel, a, angel investor. The, you define who is the customer for you. 
So as soon as we get hold of a customer, we start kind of bombarding that customer with the features, benefits of our product, of our service. Why our company or product or service is so wonderful. Actually, that's not how a professional sales conversation should go. And this is not how a professional salesperson initially should approach a sales situation. So I do suggest that if you are in that in a sales conversation, you do 20% of the talking while your customer does 80% of the talking. That's the golden ratio. <laughs> All right. Um, with that said, I, I believe we've arrived at the grand finale. Is this accurate, Jason? Yeah, you got it. All right. So, Evan, for a million thousand bajillion points, if you could have <laughs> invited anybody today to the show to hear this conversation and maybe even contribute specifically with what we covered today, who would you have loved to have had here and why? Recruiters, all the recruiters that are calling you and selling you jobs without <laughs> without asking you what you want. <laughs> right on. Okay. No, I can see why. That makes a lot of sense. Well, Evan, it's been an absolute pleasure getting to chat with you again. Uh, it's not often we have people here on a, a round two, but uh, I like that. And thank you for opening up about your insights in regards to sales. I'll let Jason close us out. Yeah. Thanks for coming back, sharing some different knowledge uh, in a little bit of different space. Uh, it's always great to glean that knowledge, especially sales, because in any business owner, that didn't steep themselves in sales first and really throw themselves in that fire. To me, it's a key essential part of owning a business period is you've had to been in that fire. So um, thanks for sharing that knowledge and hopefully it helps some of the people that are just stepping in that fire now um, and, and, and listening to this show. So appreciate the bombs you dropped and, uh, Look forward to uh, catching up again. Thanks, guys. Cheers. See you again. Thanks for your time. All right. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the War Room Roundtable with your hosts, Jason Miller and Philip Lanos. Please leave your feedback and visit strategicadvisorboard.com to get the latest and greatest business advisement on the planet. Follow us on social media for updates. And always remember, if you can dream it and believe it, then you can go achieve it. We'll see you in the next episode.